for mighty to save. We ask that through the power of your word spoken that we would be delivered from what holds us in bondage. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Before I preach, one last reminder to the men in the congregation. Men's fraternity starts up again, second half this Tuesday at 6.30 in the morning. I encourage you to be there. That is a workshop designed to help us be better husbands, fathers, leaders, and all the rest. About 300 guys were part of the first half. Uh, If you weren't coming the first half, now's your chance to join in the second half. We'll catch you up and uh, make you a better man. So, Tuesday morning, 6.30. And if you want to bring your sons, 16 and older, I think they could also benefit from that as well. So we'll see you Tuesday morning. A while back, a friend of mine sent some pictures of someone who ran his car off the road into a lake. And he was okay, but they had to call a tow truck to get the car out. But then the tow truck had a little bit of a problem. (laughs) Fell into the lake also. So then they called another tow truck to get them both out. But then that tow truck also fell in the water. That's a really bad day. Like, I would have loved to see the insurance claim on that one. Last week, I started a sermon series called Break Free. And I asked you to think of something that you wanted to find freedom from in 2008. Maybe you'd love to be set free from worry, or a bad habit, or credit card debt, or insecurity, or, or, or boredom, or whatever it is. Whatever it is that's in your mind that I asked you to think about last week, do you ever feel like those pictures that I just showed you? That the more you try to get out of that bondage, the more you just get sucked right back in. The more you try to get out of debt, the more you seem to fall behind. The more you try to break the bad habit, but the more you just fall back into it. And that's what's happening in the story that Bob just read. Last week we looked at the first chapter of Exodus where God begins to deliver the Israelites. But then, as the story goes on, Pharaoh doesn't want to let him go. But then God sends ten plagues on Egypt, and Pharaoh finally relents and says, Okay, get out of here. But then, in the story we read, today, Pharaoh changes his mind and pursues the Israelites with his army and traps them up against the Red Sea. It's a cliffhanger moment. If Exodus was a television show, this is the point where you'd see the words, To be continued next week. And then a bunch of commercials to sell you stuff. But then God parts the Red Sea, the Israelites go through, and Pharaoh's army is drowned. And one of the things that this story tells me is that when we try to break free from whatever holds us in bondage, that thing is going to come after us and try to drag us back into it. As soon as the Israelites are free from slavery, Pharaoh runs after them. And it's the same with us. If you really start to break free from whatever it is that's holding you in bondage, debt or a bad habit or fear or insecurity, whatever it is, it'll come after you and try to drag you back into that bondage. You'll be pursued by Pharaoh's army. If you try to break the addiction, you should expect to be even more tempted. If you try not to worry, you should expect to confront all kinds of worrisome circumstances in your life. I had a friend who had a terrible relationship with his family. He was the rescuer. If his parents or his siblings made a bad decision, he would rush right in and and spare them the consequences. He'd rescue them from their messes. And it was bondage to him because he was always having to fix things for them. But it was also bondage to the family because they weren't getting a chance to learn from their bad decisions. So they just kept making them. So my friend just stopped rescuing. Boy, howdy did his family get angry. I mean, he was defying a whole family system, and that system reasserted itself with a vengeance. 
When we start to break free, other folks might not like it. And the devil really doesn't like it. And he sends Pharaoh's army after us. And we need need to be prepared for that. If you're trying to break free from something and things are getting a little worse, not better at first, that might be normal. That might be the devil trying to drag you back in. And we need to be prepared for that and not be discouraged by that. It doesn't mean we're not being delivered. It actually means we are. In my friend's case, the more his family hollered at him, the more he knew he was breaking free from them. If you try to break free from something and things seem to get worse for a while, take it as a compliment. You must have scared the devil awfully bad, so he's sending Pharaoh's army after you. But fortunately, Jesus is in the deliverance business. That's what he does. And this story shows us two ways that we can cooperate with Jesus to be set free, even when our bondage tries to drag us back in. And the first thing is, in order to be delivered, we have to want to be delivered. In the New Testament, Jesus asked the paralyzed man, do you want to get well? And the guy doesn't answer. It's a really interesting chapter, John chapter 5. Guy doesn't answer, and there's a profound truth in that. Sometimes we don't really want to be free. Sometimes we do, but sometimes we don't really want to be free. I think the Israelites are a great example of this. You know, when they see Pharaoh's army, they say, it would be better to have died, it would be better to serve Pharaoh than die in the wilderness. Really? Is that true? And it gets even worse. Later on, they run out of food and they say, oh, if we could only go back to Egypt. In Egypt, we had onions and garlic. Yeah, you were slaves. Yeah, you know, you had onions and garlic. I mean, really, you'd rather be a slave as long as you have onions for your spaghetti sauce? What? They, I'm not sure they really want to be free. You see, sometimes bondage is comfortable. It's predictable. We know what's going to happen every day. You know, in slavery, if you're enslaved, you get three square meals a day. They kind of like that. Sometimes being enslaved, sometimes being in bondage is comfortable. There's a security in it. Do you really want to break the addiction? Or does it work too well as an anesthetic to numb out the pain of life? Do you really want out of debt, even if it means changing your spending habits? Do you really want to get out of depression? Or is it somewhat comforting to retreat into self and feel sorry for ourselves? Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that if we're in bondage, it's because we didn't want freedom badly enough or we didn't try hard enough. I'm not saying that. It's just that sometimes our bondage has a payoff. Every dysfunction has a function. Every dysfunction has a function. We're used to it or it comforts us. It's bondage. It's wrecking our lives. But... We're not sure we want to give it up. Plus, breaking free is hard. Right? In the case of the Israelites, it took them 40 years to finally be delivered. In fact, right after they, they walked through the Red Sea, right? In the very next chapter, they run out of water, and so they start complaining, we're going to die. Let's go back to Egypt. Okay, you just saw God divide an ocean in two, right? That would have held me for a couple of days, right? <laughs> he has proven that he is competent with the medium of water, Right? And you're worried that you don't have something to drink. Deliverance can be hard. It is a long process. So in order to be delivered, we need to want it. The second thing we need in order to be delivered is to embrace the scissors principle. What do I mean by that? You've heard me quote C.S. Lewis many times before, where he says to ask, which is it that sets us free from our sin and helps us be better people? The power of the Holy Spirit or our acts of faithfulness that cooperate with him? Just to ask that question is like asking which blade of the scissors cuts the paper. It takes both. In order to free us, God will ask us to take steps of faith to get there. 
But we also have to recognize that our own efforts will never be enough. The Holy Spirit will have to do the rest. Without God, we can't do it. Without us, God won't do it. It takes both. Our steps of faith and the Holy Spirit. Scissors principle. During December, we have a tradition in our family that whenever I'm home at night, after dinner, I I do the dishes and then I build a fire and then I make hot chocolate for the kids and then I put one of their favorite Christmas videos in and The Grinch or Charlie Brown and, and we watch it together as a family. The operative word in that being I. I do all of those things. Well, a few weeks ago in December, I was doing all this stuff, and and I paused just for a minute to put on a sweater, and my four-year-old daughter walked into the kitchen and apparently felt I wasn't working hard enough on her Christmas experience. So she said, hey, why isn't somebody working on the thing? Excuse me, Paris Hilton, right? I mean, where'd that come from, you know? That's often how we treat God, right? We want to be free from worry or depression or the addiction, but we want him to do it all. Come on, God, zap me. Let the healing begin. But God doesn't want to make us puppets that he manipulates. He wants to set us free with us, in relationship with us, with us cooperating. So he asks us to take some steps of faith. We are part of the process. Even in this story, right, the mother of all miracles, the parting of the Red Sea, Even here, God says to Moses, tell the Israelites to move on. Think about that for a minute. Move on? Like, where? They're trapped against the sea. Right? And then then God says, stretch out your hand to divide the waters. And you can kind of see Moses going, yeah, that'll work. I mean, if you were Moses, would you have done that? I mean, you could look pretty silly, right, if it didn't work. And then the Israelites had to walk through the sea with walls of water on either side of them. Would you have done that? But they did it. Deliverance wasn't something God did to them. It was something God did with them in relationship. The scissors principle, the first blade of which is we need to take some steps of faith. So what steps of faith might God be calling you to take in order to break free from whatever's holding you in bondage? Maybe it's to confess that bondage to someone else so you're not alone in it. Maybe it's to ask for their help in getting free. Maybe it's to pray about it. Maybe it's to ask someone to hold you accountable to better behavior. Whatever it is, will you take those steps of faith and walk between the sea? And then will you embrace the second blade of the scissors principle, and that is the Holy Spirit. Because as good as our steps of faith are, and as necessary as they are, ultimately it's the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives that will deliver us. Moses had to stretch out his hand. The Israelites had to start walking into the sea. But without God, they would have all been drowned. Ultimately, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that sets us free. And we access that power through lots of ways, but primarily to reading the Bible, to hear what God says to us, and daily asking, daily asking the Holy Spirit to give us power. Because if we try to break free on our own, we won't be delivered. I recently heard a story about a nine-year-old boy, and after church, his mother asked him, well, what would you learn in Sunday school? And he said, well, our teacher told us how God sent Moses to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. And when they got to the Red Sea, he had his engineers build a pontoon bridge. The people walked across it. And then he radioed headquarters to call in an airstrike against the Egyptians, and the Israelites were saved. And his mom said, is that really what your Sunday school teacher said? And the boy said, no, but if I told it the way the teacher did, you'd never believe it. (laughs) We often don't believe... 
that God can or will deliver us. So we just build the pontoon bridge, right? It's all up to us. If I'm going to break free from the addiction, it's going to be willpower alone. If I'm going to be free from insecurity, it'll be because I read enough self-help books. You know, I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. Gosh darn it, people like me, right? Convince myself of that. Yes, we have to take steps of faith to follow Jesus, but only His Spirit can fully free us. Do you believe that? Do you trust that? Will you lean on that? Do you believe that the Holy Spirit can, over time, set you free from whatever holds you in bondage? You know, it's interesting to me that the Israelites, after all they've seen God do, continually doubt God's ability to deliver them. And I don't know about you, but that's me. I mean, I, I can see God come through again and again and again, but I still doubt Him the next time I need Him. You know, which is kind of silly if you think about it. I mean, it's not as if the God who created the universe is up there in heaven right now wringing His hands saying, Oh dear, oh dear, I've held the universe together for billions of years, but this problem Dudley has got me stumped. Right? <laughs> He's not doing that. He is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. And he always delivers. One of the reasons I like to tell so many stories in my sermons is to show you and me that this Bible stuff is real. And that what God says in the Bible, he does. So let me tell you a story about Colette Wallace, who teaches our advanced Bible study class here at FPCB, a class you may want to take sometime. Back in the 90s, Colette had cancer. And she was able to recover from it, but it, it dramatically interrupted her career. And then just as she was getting free from that cancer, just as she was breaking free, she faced another health crisis. Pharaoh's army came after her. She was being drugged back into bondage. She said she was sitting in the doctor's office one day, and the last words she remembers hearing were, you might need a wheelchair in the future. And then she just stopped listening. Turned out she had rheumatoid arthritis, which is an autoimmune disease that causes red, hot, painful joints, and over time the pain usually just gets worse and worse which is what happened for her. After two years, the pain was so bad she could barely stand, even with a cane. And as the disease progressed, she said, my heart became harder and angry words were never far from my lips. Well, she began to pour over the Bible, looking for some kind of peace, trying to hear what God would say to her, and also trying to ease her doubts that just got worse every time she thought about the fact that she could no longer do for herself. Well, about this same time, she and her husband were were looking for uh, a new home to buy, which meant that they also were going to have to change churches, which, which worried Colette a lot. But as hard as they searched, they could never find an appropriate house. Well, after months of frust frustration, Colette decided she needed to turn the whole thing over to God and, in her words, give it to God and not take it back into my stubborn hands. One day she was praying about this house search and, and all of her worries and the church and all of that stuff, what's going to be the new church, and she heard God say a voice in her mind, said, choose the church first, and then you'll find your house. Well, she'd visited here before and felt like all of you had a really close relationship with Jesus, so that attracted her. So she and her husband took our new members class, and on the exact day they became members here, they closed on a new house, the exact same day. So just as an aside, if you're looking for a new house, just so happens our new members class begins today. <laughs> just FYI. So, so she saw God come through on that. But meanwhile, her disease just got worse and worse and worse. So the more the pain increased, the more Colette read the Bible. Because she realized the extent of healing she needed, not just physical, but spiritual and emotional. 
She repeatedly prayed to forgive anyone that she held anger against, including her anger against God. She said, as my body became increasingly inflexible, I worked at restoring flexibility to my spiritual life. But spiritually and mentally, I felt crippled by something. Well, then one day she was reading in the Bible, John chapter 5, and she half read but also half heard the words Jesus asked the paralyzed man in that chapter, do you want to get well? And she realized that she never actually asked God to be healed. Essentially, she'd given up. And in doing that, she said, it it felt like I had agreed to be crippled. So she said, yes, Lord, I want to be healed. Would you please heal me? And she started praying that regularly. Well, about a month later, she woke up one morning and noticed that her knees were cool to the touch for the first time in years. She said it wasn't a big flashy moment, just a quiet moment of realization that, that she'd been healed. And for weeks, she said she waited for the slightest twinge of pain. She was just waiting for it to come back looking for it to come back, but it never did. Eventually, she got rid of the cane, was able to wean herself off the pain medication she was taking, and now she is free and very grateful to God. This is what she writes about that experience. She says, The Lord lovingly restored me physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Holy Spirit gave me a renewed joy, peace, love, and health. Although occasionally I forget my new perspective when the chronological siren of career and life calls me to worry about missed opportunities. But in prayer, the Holy Spirit reminds me of my health, which now seems so usual. And when I consider how blessed I am that the detours in life have taken me on a much deeper, more precious walk with the Lord, peace comes into my heart, and I'm reminded to cast my cares on Him. Having been freed from cancer once, I'm sure that when Colette found out that she had rheumatoid arthritis, it must have felt like Pharaoh's army was coming after her to drag her back into that bondage. But through studying the Bible, through a whole lot of prayer and a lot of time, it took years, she realized that she had never really fully asked God to be healed, and so she did. And then she embraced the scissors principle. She took steps of faith to be free. She tried doctors. She did exercises. She read scripture. She prayed. And over time, she turned everything from her health to her house search over to God and trusted him with the rest, and God delivered. This is a true story of a miracle that happened to one of you. And I know that it raises questions like, well, what about the people who pray and they don't get healed? I know. I have those questions too. And I've preached dozens of sermons on that topic. It's a mystery. But even in this story, the deepest healing Colette got wasn't physical. It was a deeper, closer relationship with Jesus that transcended her pain and gave her peace. And that is the healing Jesus always longs to give us. So what is it that you want to be delivered from? And does it feel like the more you try to break free from whatever that is, the more you just get sucked back in? Well, the first question is, do you really want to be free? Do you really want to be free? And if you don't, do you at least want to want to be free? And will you ask God to give you an increasing desire for freedom? And then what steps of faith might God be calling you to take? Read the Bible, pray, ask someone to help you or hold you accountable to to healthy behavior, whatever it is. Will you take those steps and then trust Him with the rest no matter what you face? No matter what you face. The word fear is really just an acronym for false evidence appearing real. 
false evidence appearing real. So even if your back is to the Red Sea with Pharaoh's army charging hard behind, will you trust that the God who has been faithful before will be faithful again? The whole Bible can be summed up in three sentences. God is the former. He forms all things. Satan is the deformer. Jesus is the transformer. And he will set you free. Will you trust that? The words of one of my favorite hymns, Be still, my soul, thy God doth undertake to guide the future as he has the past. Thy hope, thy confidence, let nothing shake. All now mysterious will be bright at last. Be still, my soul, the waves and winds still know his voice who ruled them while he dwelt below. Lord Jesus, sometimes the more we try to break free, the more we just get drug back into our bondage. So, Lord, we ask that you would help us really want to be free. And then, Lord, show us those steps of faith we need to take. And then, by the power of your Holy Spirit, rescue us. And we will be grateful people. In your name, Jesus. Amen.